So when we speak of divine fire, uh, fire is fairly easy to define, but I want to make sure I define the world, the word divine. When something's divine, what it means is that it is of God or from God or like God or as we will see in this case is God. The divine fire of God is God. We'll see this before we get done. But the divine fire of God is witnessed throughout all of the scriptures. Moses and the burning bush probably comes to mind most recent as we've been studying the Exodus sermon series. The fire that fell on uh, Mount Carmel when Elijah was out praying against uh, the 850 prophets of Baal. The chariots of fire that Elisha's servant saw when his eyes were opened in 2 Kings chapter 6. The divided tongues of fire that were like as tongues on people's heads that flame on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. The flame of fire that God's word says he makes his ministers in Hebrews 1.7. The baptism of fire that only Jesus is capable of sending, spoken of right here in Matthew chapter 3. We see this concept of the divine fire of God throughout all of Scripture. And they are all fire but they are different from earthly fire. Earthly fire destroys. Earthly fire causes things to break down and fall apart. Earthly fire turns living things into ash. Divine fire takes dead things and makes them alive. This morning, we need divine fire. Divine fire is the very breath of God. It never dies. It never loses power. It never flickers out. It burns forever. And I want us to consider four attributes of divine fire. Number one, divine fire is a delivering fire. Now, as we study the attributes, we're going to see why we need it. Why we need, absolutely need it. When I use the word need, I, I, I mean the word it is necessary that we have it. Some of you have heard me explain this throughout the years. Necessary means without it we die. Like that's the scientific word for necessary. It is necessary that you have oxygen. It's not just some passing thing. A lot of times we use the word like, is that really necessary? The word necessary literally means that without it, the thing ceases. It is necessary that we have divine fire in the house of God. It is necessary that God's people are touched with divine fire and that the divine fire burns in us and through us because divine fire is a delivering fire. Moses, if you remember, Moses ran away from Pharaoh because he's afraid he was going to die. Moses had basically been living on the backside of the mountain for 40 years, running from God, running for his life, for that matter, from Pharaoh, hiding away. 
And there, on the backside of the mountain, the moment that God's divine fire appeared from the burning bush, it meant freedom for Moses. He was done with that life, and God would send him back to lead his people home. It meant freedom for the people who had been in slavery for 400 years. The divine fire that appeared to Moses alone in that moment, it meant freedom for an entire nation of people. The divine fire of God is a delivering fire. We need to understand that God is always about delivering. His word is about delivering. It's not just about giving us knowledge of who he is. The word of God is meant to deliver us. Prayer is meant to be a time of deliverance. It's not just a time for me to somehow throw all my things at God that I think he needs to do. But it's time for me to draw near to him, to know him more, that I might hear his voice and that that I might know him. And the more that I know God, the more God delivers me of myself. Divine fire is a delivering fire. The meeting of the body of Christ, church, if we want to call it that, folks, it should be about deliverance. People that need deliverance from their sins, people that need delivered from their strongholds, they should be able to come in and gather with the body of Christ and find deliverance amongst us. Preaching should ultimately be about deliverance, delivering captives, seeing sinners set free. God makes his ministers a flame of fire, not to show off, but because divine fire delivers people. Number two, divine fire is a unifying fire. The true divine fire of God brings unity amongst God's people. God's fire ends all divisions. You know, when you study the life of Jesus' disciples, there's a It's one of the awesome things about the Word of God. It's very honest. It shows us the truth. But it's kind of embarrassing when you consider that for three years, these guys followed Jesus. Jesus has finally got it in their heads that I've been telling you all this time I'm going to die. And now I'm headed to Jerusalem where I'm going to die. And it's the last week of his life. They've spent three years basically following him. And we find that these disciples in the last week of Jesus' life are literally arguing about who gets to sit at his left and his right. They are literally arguing about who gets to be the greatest next to Jesus. What changes approximately 60 days later, we're talking two months later, From this time where his disciples are saying who's going to be the greatest and they're arguing amongst themselves to all of a sudden in the book of Acts we are told that everybody had all things in common. Nobody considered anything to be their own. Everything they had they just gave and it was all one perfect unified force. What happened? Acts chapter 2 is what happened. The Holy Spirit fell. The divine fire fell upon those men and all of a sudden they weren't fighting anymore. They were unified. You know, the reason for this, one of the many reasons for this, is that they all had the fire of God. Many of you have heard me teach this over the years. 
there was one fire on the head of everybody. It's not like the apostle Peter had two fires to designate he was doubly blessed. It's not as as if, you know, the the disciples that were closest to Jesus had an extra big flame on there above them and everyone else just had little tiny flickers of a candle. They all had the same fire. And this is the reality. I'm telling you, the devil doesn't want you to know this child of God. You have the fire of God in you. If you have been saved and born again, the Holy Spirit dwells in you. And it, it, it totally, completely erases divisions. What could possibly be more powerful than God himself? If you have that, if you have that fire, the divine fire, listen, brother, sister, you don't have to have me. And this divine fire, it unites us. You know, the interesting thing about the divine fire, when you've truly, honestly had it, I've seen people that have mimicked it. I've seen people who tried to make themselves think they had it when they didn't. I've seen people get out in the flesh and, 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 and make earthly fire and try to pretend it was spiritual fire. It's, it's normally all very, very obvious. But when someone truly has the divine fire of God, you know what it does? It humbles them. It actually it humbles them to, to actually recognize, I have no power in and of myself, that in and of me there is no good thing, But the incredible, mind-blowing flip side of that is that through Christ I can do all things and He has empowered me with the divine fire of God to be a witness for Him. This is awesome. Divine fire is a unifying fire. It is the same thing and therefore equal in all aspects. The fire of God that you have is the same fire of God that I have. It might work itself out in my life a little bit differently than it works it out in yours. We might, we, the way we go about preaching or teaching or singing or witnessing or doing whatever we do, it might, it might work itself out a little different. We're all unique in how the fire of God works itself out in our lives. But at the end of the day, there's only one spirit. That's what the Bible teaches us. It's the same spirit in me that's in you. It's the same spirit that was in the Apostle Peter that was in the Apostle Paul. It's the same spirit that was in John. It's the same spirit that was in James. It was the same spirit that fell on everybody. It is the same spirit, and therefore it unifies us when it is truly the divine fire of God. 1 Corinthians 12, 13 says, For in one spirit, one We were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. The divine fire is a unifying fire. Number three, the divine fire is an empowering fire. Jesus told his disciples to tarry in Jerusalem until they were endued with power From on high. You'll find that in Luke 24 verse 49. He said, stay there until you are endued with power from on high. And then you know what happened? The fire fell. And they were endued with power. I will say it again. They did not need two flames for double power. One is enough. We don't need two gods. There's one God. The eternal creator of it all. And the Holy Spirit 
is God, brothers and sisters. It's not as if we need two of them, three of them, four of them. I'm telling you, it takes a degree of revelation to understand what I'm telling you this morning. We're constantly wanting more, 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 more. And God's like, you don't need more. Use what you have. You need an awakening to what you already have. You need to stop. I've heard, you've heard me use this phrase before. Stop trying to get it. You already have it. Function in it. Walk in it. Believe in it. Walk in faith. Because the divine fire of God, it is an empowering fire. It empowers us to be witnesses. When the power is missing in the life of a child of God, in the life of the church, in the life of a preacher, when the power of God is missing, it can be attributed to the absence of the divine fire of God. There is never an instance in all of Scripture when the divine fire of God was present that it did not change those who were there. Not one time. Now you can go to Acts chapter 2 and you will find that there were some who were not changed. There were some who mocked. But there were a multitude who were forever changed when the divine fire of God came. It's an empowering fire. This is one of the reasons somebody that's wanted to change their whole life Somebody that's truly, they, they, they've wanted to change, they've, they've, they've wanted their life to be different, they've wanted to come out of a certain thing, they've wanted to be broke free of a stronghold, they've wanted, they've wanted their life to change, but nothing's worked. They've been to counselors, they've been to this thing, they've been to treatment, they've been to that thing. And honestly, there's a part of them that wanted to change. But when they come in contact with the divine fire of God... Something changes. It just happens. It's as if all of a sudden they truly had power to believe. Power to obey God. Power to turn from their wicked ways. Power to repent. The divine fire of God is an empowering fire. When we are lit by the fire of God, then we become what we were meant to be. When the fire of God touches us, it makes us witnesses. This empowering of the divine fire of God. It is not meant to just make salvation sweeter. It is heavenly muscle. It is heavenly power given to us to do business for God. It demonstrates the supernatural fire and power of God. Earlier this week, in relation to um, what I opened up with this morning, I met with somebody in town. I've actually met with a ton of people. I've met with pastors. I've met with council members. I've met with board members. I've met with, with managers. I've met with a ton of people this week. And uh, one of them, um, I felt a special need to just pray before I had the meeting. And let me tell you what I prayed. I prayed for the divine fire. That's what I prayed for. I didn't pray that, you know, God help me to speak great, wise, political words. What I prayed was, is that God, when I get in there, 
let my very presence in the room somehow be significant enough that it might change this man's life forever. That's what I prayed. Let him witness something in me that is so different from everyone else that he's spoken with, everyone else that he's been spoken to by, every other text he's received, email he's received, meetings he's had. Let something be so divinely different that it changes the man. I'm going to tell you something about the 45-minute mark. God fell in that place. And I'm talking tears streaming down faces. I'm talking all of a sudden it was time to put aside the political talk and get real about what's going on in life and what's happening right now. There's something different about divine fire, folks. It is an empowering fire. We need it. We need it in the church. You need it in your life. We need it if it is to change this community. The real and most powerful solution the church has in this day and era of time is that we as God's people walk in the power of God. That we are truly touched by the divine fire of God. And I'm going to tell you, it takes, it takes a willingness, number one, to be open to it. Half the time we are so afraid of, of, of what divine fire looks like so afraid of what just letting people be free in the Holy Spirit looks like, so afraid of what a revival would look like if it broke out, that we'd rather not have any of it at all. We want our nice, tight, little perfect services that are incredibly predictable, that start at this time, that go this way, that have two songs, and then this, and then the offering, and then a 30-minute message, and then this. And, and we're so comfortable that we don't want anything that's not predictable. Listen to me. How God works and what God does has always been unpredictable. About the only thing predictable about God is that He is good, that He is faithful, that He is just, that He is true, that He is all-powerful. I mean, there are a lot of those things we can tell you without any hesitation. God will always be this way. But how God works and what God does has always been unpredictable. We need the divine fire of God because it changes us. And number four this morning, the divine fire is an identifying fire. It identifies us with God. It becomes the very identity of who I am. Allow the fire of God to penetrate your heart and you will forever be identified as a changed man or woman of God. The fire made the bush what the bush was. We all know, literally, we all know about a bush that was on fire that didn't burn. It's not the bush that was significant. It's the fire that fell upon it. It identified it forever. It made Moses who Moses is. The fire made Pentecost what Pentecost was. The fire made the disciples what the disciples were. They were really unknown until Acts chapter 2. They had very little influence in the world. Even the Pharisees weren't concerned about killing off the disciples. They just wanted to kill off Jesus. But when the divine fire fell, something changed in those men. And they became forces to reckon with. All of a sudden... They became the object of, we've got to shut those guys down. What changed? The divine fire had fallen. 
and it made them who they were. If any preacher, if any church, or any Christian ever want to be noted in the history of God's church, there's no method but to be baptized in the divine fire of God and to be a vessel through which that fire can burn. The fire identifies us with God. It makes it evident that the source of our power is not from us. Where there is no divine fire, there can be no assurance that God is really there. Now, I'm not saying that he's not. I'm just saying without the divine fire, there's no assurance. I've always found it odd when we have to talk ourselves into believing that where two or three are gathered, he is there. As if that promise was given to us so that we would think he was there when he wasn't or when we didn't know about it. I don't believe that's what Jesus was communicating. I don't think that the disciples in Acts chapter 2 had to sit around and wonder, do you think God's here? They knew. I don't think the people outside had to wonder. They knew something was going on. They could literally hear it. And all the towns coming together because something's going on. Whatever's happening right now in Kentucky, people know about it. People are talking about it. There's no groups of people in these scenarios all wondering why nothing's happening, why there's no power, why there seems to be no movement of God, why there seems to be no salvation, why there seems to be nothing. There's not that. And then a bunch of people saying, well, let's just, hey, look, there's two or three of us here. So whether we see it or experience it or feel it or not, like God's with us. The divine fire puts an end to that. There's no more wondering when the divine fire shows up. Brothers and sisters, what we need is the divine fire of God. Yes, the fire can be mimicked. I'm going to go ahead and ask our worship team if you guys would come. Yes, the fire can be mimicked. But man-made fire will never produce the same results. Smoldering smoke will never satisfy the soul that has truly experienced divine fire. We need divine fire. That's what this community needs. I pray that God would send it upon our church. I pray that God would send it upon me. I pray that God would send it upon our leadership especially. But I pray that the divine fire would fall in Derby, Kansas. I pray it fall at the Presbyterian Church. I pray it fall at the Baptist Church. I pray that it fall at South Rock. I pray that it fall at the Nazarene Church. I pray that it fall in every church in this town. That's what we need, brothers and sisters. It's true divine fire. I promise you it will do what we can't.